With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile, empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See MetroByTMobile.com. Hey, yo. You ready? Let's do it. Live from Southern California, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for a new episode of Kings of the Podcast. Introducing your host, Born and raised in the city of angels, the mayor, John Hovan. And originally from the Bronx, now hailing from Encino, it's D.B. Dennis Bernstein. Buckle up, here we go! Going nowhere, we ain't going nowhere. No, you're not lost. You've landed at the right place. Uh, if you don't understand Swedish, that was Adrian Kempe there. Welcome you to the show. Uh, more from him in the second period. First, though, welcome to Kings of the Podcast, episode eight this season. DB, how are you? I'm doing great. And the Kings are in playoff position because I believe you tweeted the standings last night, John. I did tweet the standings because, uh, well, you know, we're going to get to that also because there's a Twitter poll that I want to get to in the first period here, uh, Dennis. But before we do, of course, we want to welcome everybody to the uh, beautiful Kai Nerman Studios uh, here in beautiful Southern California. And for those, uh, well, I guess, Dennis, we should ask, do you even know who that is? Do you no, know that name? I'll take a pass on that, John. Okay, well, round eight of the uh, NHL draft back in 1996, of course, the eighth round no longer exists. But back in 1996, uh, the, the Kings selected Kai out of out of Finland, but he actually played in Sweden. Uh, so I guess he's Finnish, I should say, but he played in Sweden. So this is a little bit of a weird one. Um, but uh, the reason for picking him, of course, is that uh, our guest today, of course, is from Sweden and uh, spent the early part of his career there playing a lot of time. And Kai actually played the majority of his professional career uh, in in Sweden. Uh, however, he did play for the Kings one year, 96-97, so immediately following being drafted. He played 67 games, scored 16 goals for the Kings that year as well. A timely tie-in here. Uh, we're in the middle of a two-game set between the Kings and the Wild, Dennis, and Kai played two additional games beyond that one year in L.A. Uh, he, about five years after playing in Los Angeles, uh, he had spent that that time period away over in uh, over in Europe, but he came back and he played two games with the Minnesota Wild and <laughs> scored a goal. So not only was he productive for L.A. in his brief time here, he was I guess you could say he was productive for Minnesota as well. And then really never to be heard from again, spent the entire year uh, in the IHL with the Cleveland Lumberjacks and then went back over and uh, played overseas. And that was the end of it. So it's uh, another draft pick gone awry. I love the Cleveland Lumberjacks. What a great name, John. Uh, but speaking of that, tennis, I didn't plan on talking about this, but have you seen some of the names? Uh, you know, TFP Mafia guy, uh, Tab, out there in Chicago, tweeted it the other day. Have you seen some of the names that they're talking about to replace the Cleveland Indians? No. 
Oh, they're terrible. They're ter- and yeah. actually, I thought that Ab's name was better. It was like the Cleveland River Fire or something like that. It was it was just uh, oh. Cleveland Dumpster would, Fire. <laughs> that too. I would hate to be a pro sports franchise right now. Can, can you know, imagine? Like, right, you're so limited. Thirty years ago, fifty years ago, you want to name a franchise. Uh, you know, you run like a cute little contest in your local market. It's not a thing that's on the internet. People other countries away aren't paying attention to what you're doing now. It's like an international thing when you're trying to name your team. The pressure has to be overwhelming. What about the Cleveland Spiders? Do you like that? That's an old school name. Yeah. Now, see, I don't particularly have a problem with it because it, you know, it's an homage to a former team right. that existed once upon a time. I think it was in the 1800s, if I remember the story correctly, in in, in uh, professional baseball. So I don't have an issue with it. I also kind of like it only because it's a unique. Um, animal insect i don't know whatever you it's want to like call the it. kraken john basically well except Is spiders it? are real so <laughs> well, that's that's a good point <laughs> it's fair um you know uh i don't know i i don't have an issue with it um although i guess if that's the way they go it would be the team colors would be red black and white um from what people have speculated and i don't know if we need more teams with color black in their jerseys or in their primary logos but i think you can have a lot of fun with a team named the spider that'd be that'd be pretty yeah, cool okay cool what, what do you think i think it's i i agree with where we are with respect to how you gotta go name teams and, okay wow yeah. no no That's, it's uh, just it's you have to be more sensitive Dennis. you normally have a a long opinion about well, something no because you- john you're gonna offend somebody somehow some way you can't win these Even days. With spiders? Yeah, like you know, <laughs> the Spider Defamation League will probably be offended. Ah, <laughs> oh, everybody is offended. Everyone. Everybody is certainly offended. Uh, They're offended you know at what? us, John. I tell you that much. <laughs> well, they're certainly offended with some of your takes, Dennis. We will- holy cow, John. Uh, so yes, we're here in beautiful Southern California. Um, you know what somebody said to me the other day, this is your favorite hockey players, favorite hockey podcast. So I thought that was pretty cool. We might have to work that into a tagline, um, at some point, uh, Adrian Kempe is coming up in the second period DB. We'll, we'll talk all about, uh, Sweden and hockey and the uh, 19 coaches he's played for in the Los Angeles Kings organization. Uh, but how about this? Uh, why don't we do some, uh, goals for and goals against today in the third period, uh, but to warm up, we can do a little bit of numerology sure. and we can do the Twitter poll. And uh, if you want to start with the Twitter poll, DB, uh, it's, it's been an interesting time on Twitter so far, as, as it usually is. Uh, it's been some, some high. There have been some highs and some lows with the Kings winning and losing, um, you know, sporadically here over these these first couple of games to, to start the season. It And it was starting to uh, become apparent to me that there were two camps that were developing within the Kings fan base within King's Twitter, if you will, uh, you had a certain segment of the population that wants to just play all the kids, you know, go for it. Doesn't matter. Put them all in there. Every one of them. Uh, and, you know, forget the season. Whatever happens, happens. Uh, and in their minds, I believe, hopefully that would lead to a, a, a terrible overall record and and a top three draft pick, a pick. And they would uh, the Kings would would land the number one pick and get Owen power. It, it doesn't always work out that way. Of course. Um, and then, you know, the flip side of that is, Hey, cool your jets a little bit. Um, you know, let Todd, uh, to a lesser extent, Blake do their thing. And uh, let's see what, where this thing goes. And the Kings coaching staff and a lot of the players have been talking about playoffs. And so make a push for the playoffs, go the direction that you're going and be patient. 
And so I wanted to do a temperature check, DB. Ended up with about a thousand votes of people kind of weighing in on this. And uh, the results were pretty telling. 70% of the fans said push for the playoffs this year. And the uh, remaining 30, 31%, if you want to be technical, uh, the, the remaining 30% said that they would rather that the Kings are a bottom three team this year. They really want that draft pick. Mm-hmm. So before we delve into that a little bit more, just wanted to get, get your take on, uh, on the question, on the poll, and on the results. Um, surprised that there's that much of a spread. Here's what I think they should do. Uh, overall, the overarching issue or the goal should be to develop the younger players. And that gets you a bottom three pick or top three pick or get you to the playoffs. I don't care. Like that's, that's what we've talked about forever, John, about this. What, what's important this season. It's to find out who these kids are, where they fit in the lineup. So uh, to, to me, the record is inconsequential. Of course you'd want to make the playoffs. Who wouldn't? I get it. It helps the organization. They haven't won a playoff series and since they won the cup. I think they've won one game in the playoffs since then. Um, but to me, it, it's inconsequential. If the goal truly is to develop these kids, get them in the game, get them properly, uh, get them a legitimate season in the NHL, and just let the chips fall where they may. Okay. And see, I would take a little bit of exception to that because, and I wish I would have pulled the tweet up, but you had a tweet the other day that was buried deep in a thread. It was a reply to something, but I was tagged in it. So I saw it. Yeah. And you, you basically had made the remark. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you had basically made the remark of, you know, how can people say that these kids aren't ready until they've played in the NHL? Well, I take exception to that because there's a whole staff of people that are paid. They're very knowledgeable hockey people. Uh, that are paid to make these decisions. That's what scouts and general managers and uh, development staff, right. that's what they do. They're the ones who make the determination. It's not for, for me to watch them at the NHL level or for you to watch them at the NHL level. That's what they say. So if those people uh, that are responsible mm-hmm. for developing these players are saying, hey, player XYZ, uh, they're not available, or, excuse me, they're not ready yet to play in the National Hockey League. We would mm-hmm. like to see them do the following and before that happens, great. And there are other players uh, uh, that we do believe are ready and should be playing. So I wanted to build on what you said there because another uh, person tweeted in and I thought it was a very, very intelligent tweet. And these type of things often get lost on Twitter. And I apologize. I should give them credit. I don't remember who it was that said this, but they were basically pointing out in the middle of these people arguing with me on Twitter that there are two layers uh, at, at least. I mean, there's probably more, but there are at least two layers of quote unquote kids Right now in Correct. the LA Kings organization, you can't put everybody into one pot. Correct. Byfield is not at the same level or, or spot on the development curve. I agree. Uh, with, with somebody. Leah like Anderson. Anderson. Right, exactly. Leah Anderson. There you right. go. Perfect example. So uh, that person's particular point was, look, they are playing the kids. You know, they're just not playing the kids that some people want to see. Some people want to see Turcotte, Byfield, Kaliev mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. NHL level. But they are playing the kids. <laughs> Guys. They have a rookie defenseman on the top defensive pair. They have a rookie defenseman on the second pairing. Uh, and I'm talking about Mikey Anderson and Kel Clegg. They're playing Leah Anderson. They're playing Gabe Velarde. They're, let's not forget Blake Lazad is only a second-year NHL player. So they, they are playing a lot of younger kids in this lineup. Uh, and there are still more to come because Matt Luff is still going to be getting some time. You expect Jared Anderson Dolan to get some time. A little bit of patience here. Um, yeah would be what I would recommend. Okay, so here's the other side of the coin. When And obviously, this is going to go to buy field, right? Like, so what... It all boils down. Yeah, that's all boils down. So I get it. Like, 
Somebody said case closed. He's not ready. Where's the body of work that tells me on the ice that he's not ready? Because I'll give you the progression. He dominated the OHL last year. He played in the World Juniors, and he hasn't played since. So how can you objectively say he's not ready when he's never played? And if, if you're using the World Juniors as a benchmark or people thought he played good or not good, like, to me, I don't see the body of work to say. So to me, and I draw the parallel to Dylan Cousins. Look at what they're doing with Dylan Cousins. And I know he's, he's a year old or whatever. He scored a goal. They set him out. He, they, set, they put him back in the lineup last night. He scored a goal. Like, spot the guy. So that, that's my argument. Like, I, I want somebody of work in the NHL. Because if you put Byfield in the games and he actually produced, then what? Like, so to me, and I get it. I respect how they're doing this. And, and John, I want to make, like, one thing very, very clear. And I think I mentioned it on Twitter as well. I'm not saying what, how they're going about this is wrong. I'm saying there's an alternative way to do this. And I, I laid down tons of players. I laid down a dozen players that went that route, that didn't sit out, that didn't go back to juniors, that went into the NHL right away. So to me, it's not a criticism of the organization. I'm saying, look, they could have gone about this another way. And here's proof. Here are the players in the league that's like a Kakanyemi who was 18 years old and went up to Montreal in a pressurized situation, played the first year, kept playing. So I have no qualms with them doing what they're doing. My point was, you could do it another way. You can do it another way. And I don't want people to interpret this as me being an apologist for the organization. No, but I, I get where you're going. Yeah, the, go ahead. But I do think that the, that the optics are a little bit different this year, or the circumstances, I should say, are a little bit different this year compared to other years. This is a compacted 56-game schedule where every game is a four-point game. So, first of all, this is not like a regular 82-game season where you have three or four games to burn and you can take a look at a kid, number one. Number two... This is all really a moot point because Byfield isn't available right now. Who knows what would have happened if the first game in the American League and the preseason game, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt and if right. he would have played great and he played maybe a couple more preseason games, he might be ready to join the L.A. Kings when they return home from this road trip. And they might have been ready to spot him in for a couple of games, to use your phrase there. But that's just not the way that it played out. So, you know, oh, well, let's trust the process. Let's see where it goes. Yeah, uh, I'm not saying they're doing it wrong. I'm just saying, look, there are other organizations that do it the under the spectrum, maybe they would consider that. And that's all that was. And, and so, but the other thing is, can we talk about the, the, um, the idiot brigade out there that when you, when you respond back to them and give them an alternative, you know what the response is? You and Hoven think you're smarter than everybody else. We're First not all, smarter me, than everybody. Well, than no, anybody. I know I that was the response. <laughs> Like, I laid down a theory, John. They come back. I said, well, here's my theory, and here it explains it, and here's the support for it. You and Hoven think you're smarter than everybody else. Well, Then tune out I, I, and unfollow. Idiot I do, I do take exception to many of your tweets, though. For example, I really don't care how many of the last second overall picks, how many of the last top three picks have played in the NHL. It doesn't really matter to me. Just because 10 other teams have done it a certain way in the NHL, and I understand your case. I get it. You're presenting an alternative. But it doesn't matter to me what 10 other teams have done. Everybody talks about this being a copycat league, um, you know, and, and in this case, the Kings are choosing to go a different route. They're copying teams that have had success with growing players slowly. Teams, well, you know, like not at that, not at the second overall pick, John. I, okay. I used the All top right. of the draft. And I get, look, I again, I'm not, look, and one thing, you're not being an apologist. This is the route they're going. Hopefully it works out. Do I want the guy to fail? No, absolutely not. Would I like to see him here for a couple of games? I absolutely would. Your scenario that you lay out 
Had he played some exhibition games, maybe he'd be here by game 25. Great, awesome. I think that's great. I would love to see this guy play in this league this year, spotted correctly. And if it happens, great. If not, you know, I'm not going to say, hey, they went the wrong route. All right, well, and then there's the money factor as well because they don't want to burn a a year uh, off of the ELC in a 56-game schedule where he's only going to play 15 games. If they're going to burn a year off the ELC, they'd like to get uh, more. You know, they'd like to get a half season or more out of him. So uh, we'll see where this whole thing goes, Dennis. Uh, There's there's still plenty of time for it to unwind. Why don't we spend a couple of quick minutes uh, just doing some numerology before we move on uh, and bring in Adrian Kempe. He's waiting on the other side, and I'm sure that he doesn't have uh, a lot of patience or care much for this. My question is this. Everybody knows him as number nine, DB, but uh, trivia question. Do you know that or what number he actually broke in uh, to the NHL in? 39. Okay, so you've uh, done a little bit of your homework there. That is right. Number 39. Now, he only wore that for one season. Uh, it's an interesting group. Seven players have worn that number previously. That was Hubie McDonough. Uh, Yannick Perot was in there. A couple of goalies and Felix Potvin and Dan Cloutier, one of those which is largely uh, Kings fans would like to forget about, which is Dan Cloutier. Not a good time for the organization. Noah Clark. Always love bringing up Noah Clark. The first uh, born and raised Southern California player to ever play for the LA Kings. Uh, and of course, of course, I mentioned a few episodes back his uh, parents who run a cheese store up in Claremont. So go check that out in downtown Claremont. Kempe uh, was the last one in 2017 uh, to wear number 39. So we'll have to see if somebody else is ever going to wear that number again. I'm sure at some point they will. Number nine, his uh, more recent number and more well-known number is a, a very important number historically in hockey. 23 players have worn that number uh, in Los Angeles, DB. Um, probably Bernie Nichols being one of the more famous numbers. Uh, Number nines, there were a couple of other ones that wore it. Dixon Ward, uh, a blast from the past. Rob Brown, we've talked about both of those players before. Uh, more recently, you've had guys like Siplikoff, uh, Kelly Bookberger, uh, who I believe is now coaching up in the WHL. He wore that number for a while. Oscar Moeller, a fan favorite, he wore that number as well. And uh, right before Kempe wore it, the last guy. Here's a trivia question then, DB. Do you know the last guy to wear number nine before Adrian Kempe? This is the last minute no. of play in the period. Okay, Stop that me. would have been... <laughs> Teddy Purcell. So uh, if if I remember correctly, Teddy had two tours of duty with the Kings. I could be wrong about that just because he spent so much time at different things. But I think he was with the Kings on two uh, separate occasions there. So we'll find out. But uh, DB, let's get to the other side of the break here. uh, And we will be joined by Adrian Kempe. With Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further. This tax season, there's zero fees to switch. Enjoy Metro's lowest price. Just 25 bucks a line for four lines. Plus, get four free Samsung Galaxy phones when you switch. Now that's the best deal in wireless. Metro by T-Mobile. Empowering you to rule your day. All lines lose promo rate if any deactivates. No fees on select phones. Limit one per line with eligible port. Excludes sales tax. Limited time offer. Additional terms apply. See Metro by T-Mobile.com. In the second period.
Okay, Kings of the Podcast, second period. Joining us now is Adrian Kempe. He made his debut with the LA Kings in February of 2017 against the Arizona Coyotes, scored his first goal against Washington, and uh, the following year had a hat trick against the Habs and then scored some goals on the road as well. He's off to a great start so far this season. Adrian, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing okay so far. We'll find out as the uh, as this interview uh, sort of progresses and goes along. Why don't we uh, Why don't we jump in and get some boring stuff out of the way first? Does that sound fun? Yeah, of course. <laughs> okay, so the team is playing better of late. Uh, are you feeling comfortable up there on the top line? Uh, yeah, I feel good. Uh, I think I felt good since the start. Even though I was playing with uh, with Kofi and AI, I think I had a pretty good start of the year. Uh, and then obviously you got the shot up there, and uh, you know uh, started scoring goals. Uh, you know, I, I could have had uh, a couple after the first two games as well, but I mean, uh, it was nice to get the first out of the way. And I think, uh, you know, but we've been playing well together. Uh, I just try to, you know, uh, fit my game into with coping AI because they've been playing together for a long time. And uh, I know them well from uh, being on the power play with them and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, uh, it wasn't super hard, and especially. You know, playing with those two guys, it's not super hard either. So, I mean, I just try to do my job and work hard to to create chances for, for our line. Now, you've been on three different lines over the past just a couple of weeks, maybe a month at the most. You came into camp, you were penciled penciled in to play with Velarde and Ferk, and then you guys tested out the all-Swede line. Now you're up with Kopitar. Um, at any point during the offseason, did you ever envision yourself being on the top line? Uh, um, nah, not really. I mean, I think... Uh, I mean, yeah, as you guys said, me and Gabe and Ferky were uh, playing together in uh, almost the entire camp. So, I mean, uh, that was probably the start point we wanted to go from. And uh, But, you know, you never know what happens. And uh, always ready to play with uh, whoever. And, uh, you know, very, I know all the guys very well. So, I mean, uh, that it's like super hard to switch lines either. But, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's been working out well so far with coping AI and uh, hopefully... We can keep that going because, uh, you know, uh, we have a lot of Lions that can score right now. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good thing. All right. So, from what I understand, you're a big gamer, too. Um, some of the guys have talked about bringing their Xbox on the road. Did you bring yours? We know Lazat plays with Dowdy. Who have you been playing with? What's your game of choice? Are you doing Twitch? Give us your, your gamer stuff. Yeah, I, I brought my Xbox. Uh, I think it was good to kill some time. Uh, I do play a lot of Call of Duty when I'm home. I haven't played as much now on the road. You need uh, quite good internet to play uh, to play Call of Duty, so I haven't been playing a lot. But usually, I uh, I do play a lot of Call of Duty with uh, yeah, a lot of guys on the team: uh, Sean Walker, Amadio, Trevor Moore. I follow all those guys, so you should get a good group of guys to play. And uh, now on the road, I'm in more into FIFA. Uh, you know, I'm a Big soccer fan growing up, and um, still am. So I mean, I'm uh, a lot into a lot into FIFA and Call of Duty. That's my two main games for sure. Adrian, you know, after the second Colorado game, your numbers, time wise, have gone up significantly. And I talked to Todd about you this morning, and he said that you know a lot of this was you need to be more consistent. That's been the you know the criticism over the years. But he said, look, it's it's about preparation and execution. Like, and now you're playing on the right wing. You know, you've played every. You played center. You started center. They threw you to wing. Now you're a right winger. Are you a more confident player now? And how's it handling 18 minutes a night in consecutive games? Uh, yeah, I think I'm more like overall. I'm more comfortable on the wing. I think than center. You know, I think I can play both. But I mean, I 
since from from last year too. You know, I really like playing on the wing. I think I was more useful there. Uh, and I think, I mean, from left wing to right wing, it's not that big of a deal. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like switching sides. And I think from being on Kopi's line now, it's been uh, you know it's been going well, and uh, you know I've been starting scoring more uh, as of now. So I mean that's always a good thing too but I mean I think I've always been a player that creates a lot of chances and maybe not always been putting the puck in the net but I mean I've been trying to work on that as much as possible in the summer too and work on my shot and stuff like that so I can yeah be more effective out there and uh, yeah when you score you get more confidence so that's uh, that's uh, I mean yeah it's been good so far did you come into the season wanting to be more aggressive? You look a lot more like you're looking for your shot more as opposed to being deferential when you pillow with Brownie and Kobe before. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, as I said, I've been working on my shot a lot. Uh, been looking at my game a lot as well, and maybe on some chances I had this year, maybe I would have passed it, try to pass it last year, and you know, uh, been trying to get a different mentality going into this season and what I have to improve as well and I want to score more and if you want to score more you got to shoot more so I mean I'm trying to to get more shots every night I'm out there too and I think uh, I'm one of the guys that shoots the most on the team right now so far so I mean it's uh, obviously paying off pretty well so I mean that's just something I want to keep going as well Let's build on that just a little bit. You and I have talked a number of times through the years about wing versus center, and you've always really sort of indicated that you preferred or, or you know, to play center. Um, but you were very effective on your off wing at the World Junior Tournament uh, many years ago. And uh, Mike Stuthers, Stutz, your coach there in Ontario and, and Manchester as well, he always wanted you over on your off wing. What is it about that side that maybe makes you so comfortable? Uh, I don't know, actually. I mean, I, in the D zone, I would say it's... Uh could be easier on the left side coming out of the when you break out and things but i really like coming on my off wing when you get into the zone uh i uh, feel like i have more options to you know take a step into the middle or keep driving it wide than i do on the, when i come on my left wing it feels like it's hard to cut into the middle on your back and then you know when you uh, when you show your forehand you have more options and uh it's just something uh, that I that I like a lot more than being on coming in on the left wing for sure. Let's talk a little bit about when you first came over to North America. Of course, drafted by the Kings in 2014. When you finally came over, you uh, you burst onto the scene in Manchester. You showed up at the end of the season. You helped that team uh, go on to win a Calder Cup, of course. But uh, you were roommates at the time with Paul Bissonette, right? You lived with him in the hotel for a little while. Yeah, I did. I actually, I did for. Uh, yeah, it was a good amount of time, so it was, uh, that was funny, actually. All right, so I talked to Biz before the interview. I needed, you know, I do my research before we do these shows, Adrian, and I wanted to get to the bottom of the nickname Juice because I've heard many different versions of the story, and I thought that Biz would be able to help out. What he says is that Backman was the one that came up with it, Sean Backman. Is that true? Is that your version of the story? Yes, I think, uh, I yeah, I think he was the one that came up with it. It was him, and then after stuff, uh, Cast on to it. So, I mean, I, uh, I didn't know at the time who actually came up with it, but now uh, after what I heard, it's, uh, it was Bax who came up with it. 
Yeah. Uh, so Biz was kind enough to give the credit to Backman, who came up with it. And of course, Biz and Stutz both ran with it. They said you added a lot of juice to the lineup at that time, which, of course, you did. You were scoring like crazy. And uh, really, were you were a major contributor to that to that cup run there uh, at, the, at the end there in Manchester. Uh, but Biz also wanted me to make sure that I asked you another question. He wants to know, why were your shin pads so small when you were in Manchester? <laughs> oh, I remember that, actually. Uh, I don't know. I was... <laughs> Growing up in Sweden, that was all, always, uh, I don't know, a big thing that you wanted your shin pads to be as small as possible. And, uh, you know, when I uh, came from Sweden to uh, yeah to Manchester, it was, it was like I'm always wearing junior shin pads compared to all the other guys. So I was getting chirped there a lot for the first couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, finally, I actually, I actually uh, changed them, I think, mid-playoffs. And... Uh, Guys made me change them. So I have, have some bigger ones and I've been using them since. But I mean, uh, yeah, I remember those times and I remember it looks, if I look back at it now, it looks weird because it looks like a two different, completely <laughs> players with, uh, with just the shin pass that I have. But it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a good time. Adrian, I covered the, um, global series in Stockholm a couple of years ago. And at the time, you were the only Swede on the, on the Kings. I was talking to a fan and says, Where are you from? I said, LA. I said, Adrian Kempe, you know, Kramsfors. He goes, no, no, that's not Sweden. That's like Finland. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> that is Sweden, for sure. Got <laughs> uh, You have to love the Sweden and, and the Finnish uh, uh, rivalry. Um, look, Leah Anderson, uh, real quickly, uh, you couldn't hear it in your earphones when you were coming on here, uh, but coming out of the first break, we played a song just for you. It's the Liverpool song, You'll Never Walk Alone. Um, right before you joined us, that was on. So I'm curious, why Liverpool and uh, and now Leas Anderson likes them too, right? Yeah, exactly. I heard that too, actually. So it's nice to have uh, another guy that likes Liverpool. You see, it's hard to find the guys that like Liverpool. Usually everybody hates Liverpool because they've been uh, doing so well the uh, last two, three years here. So usually when Liverpool loses, I um, you guys always tell me. So, I mean, that's... Uh, I mean, they're not they're not doing great right now, but uh, I've been supporting them for a long time now. So I mean, I'm, when I started supporting Liverpool, they were not great either. So I mean, it's been uh, we've had a couple of years now when they've been uh, you know winning some trophies, and it's obviously it's obviously nice for me to you know get all the guys back that we're cheering for Man City and Man United and those teams. Well, you. Played with Leas back in uh, 2018, I think, on, on the Swedish World Championship team. So maybe you were talking about Liverpool, and maybe you encouraged him to be a fan. He just he never admitted it to you or something. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe. I actually have a tattoo on my wrist uh, for Liverpool, so maybe he saw it back then and it's kind of jealous. See, I scratched all my tattoo questions off the list today. I know you have like the flowers and then you have the uh, the broken clock, which reminds me of a, a Salvador Dali painting. And I did not know that you had the Liverpool. Let's get a quick prediction here. Big game tomorrow. Spurs, Liverpool. What's going to happen? Uh, I don't know. Actually, the Liverpool have played great. They don't have any center backs they're playing at the moment. So I think they're. Uh, I don't know who's going to play there, but I mean, it's going to be. Uh, I think they're playing on the road as well. So I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Spurs is good. They have a good, really good offense, and uh, Liverpool's offense hasn't been really sharp lately either. So hopefully, they can turn it around here, turning to the losing streak around as well. So I mean, it's going to be a big game. 
All right. So sticking with the uh, the Swedish theme here, uh, there we saw the all Swede line in in training camp, which, of course, was Leah Anderson, yourself and then Grunstrom or Tonka, as he is now known, I guess. You guys played together, you and Grunstrom, back when you guys were teenagers over in Moto, I believe. Um, where does he stand on all this soccer talk? Is he a Liverpool guy? He is a man, you know. Man United fan, big Man United fan. He was chirping me the other day here when the <laughs> Man U actually beat Liverpool in the FA Cup. So I was kind of, I was a little pissed and he was kind of happy about it. He, he told us too. So I mean, but I think that's the first time Man U beat Liverpool in like five, six years now. So you know, I was, I was kind of happy for him. Adrian, living in Sweden, have you ever been to Anfield or seen a Premier League with Liverpool playing? I have not. I have never actually. Uh, I was gonna go. Uh, I think last year after the season, and then obviously COVID came up and it sure. was a big issue. But um, I haven't haven't been there and watched them play. But it's on the list, right? Oh yeah, for sure. What do you need to do in order to convince McClellan to get the uh, all Swede line put back together? Obviously, you <laughs> like your time on the top line, but I'm assuming that at some point you'd like to take a couple of games uh, and and give that all Swede line a, a go. Yeah, I mean, I think he definitely has it probably in, in the back of his mind as well. So whenever, you know, uh, they're playing great right now and, uh, you know, our lines are playing good, but whenever that time comes, I think he, he probably knows that where he has us. And, you know, I've been playing with Carl and uh, the other Carl uh, Hagley in the fourth too. So we had the little Swede line going there as well. So, I mean, uh, it was, uh, he knows the Swedes uh, always play well together if he, he, if he needs us to. Now, you have had a bevy of coaches during your time with the LA Kings organization. There was some stability early on when you were with Stutz uh, in, in the AHL, but then you you run the gamut here in Los Angeles. You had Sutter there at the tail end of his time in Los Angeles, and then you were with Stevens, and then Willie for a brief uh, a moment. Maybe you want to forget that. I don't know. And then you have uh, uh, Todd McClellan. Let's go back to the Stutz days. Um, I heard a story once you guys were uh, – this was, this was uh, couched under the category of Adrian likes the finer things in life. You guys were on a Southwest Airlines flight. Everybody was jamming their luggage into the overhead bends, and uh, you had a really nice, expensive backpack that you didn't want to uh, put up into the overhead bend. Do you remember this story? I do not, actually. <laughs> so I guess Stutz had said something to you like, you know, come on, Adrian, just just jam that thing into the overhead and let's go, and you didn't want to do it, and he didn't realize that it was a very expensive sort of backpack, and so Sutter turned to him and I guess asked him, Stutz, do you know how much that thing cost? And, and Stutz kind of flipped out when he found out because, of course, he's like a, you know, buy a backpack <laughs> at Walmart type of guy for nine ninety five, and so he he couldn't relate to it necessarily. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I actually maybe I have a little bit of that in the back of my mind still, but I remember when I bought the backpack, and you know, obviously the the guys were all over me and bits for sure, and uh, uh, it was uh, it was some good times. I had some good stories from back then too. But you know, as soon as uh, as soon as I bought something or something, uh, this was always all all over me, and <laughs> I mean, it was uh, it was funny. Now, you're one of the very few guys who actually played in Manchester, in Ontario, and in L.A. Is that cool to you, or does it mean anything? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a, good, it was a great time when I came over. Uh, you know, it's a good experience to be been, uh, winning the Manchester or the Cali Cup, and it was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago now, but I mean, I think uh, it's, uh, you know, it was cool uh, from that transfer from Manchester to Ontario as well, and, uh, you know, been uh, been in Ontario for uh, for a little time as well, and I, you know, it was a good uh, experience for me and good development uh, before 
before joining the Kings for sure. All right. So a couple of more questions here before we let you run. Thank you again for joining us. One question would be, why did you cut your hair? It is a it is a known fact in hockey that once you <laughs> cut your hair, you sort of lose your power. So why would you cut your hair? Uh, I actually, ever, ever since COVID started, I think I've cut my hair once. Uh, it was just, uh, I've been cutting it at home a lot just to, to get a little shorter, but I, I actually needed a, an actual trim uh, um, really bad. So I um, chose to, to cut it off and, you know, I got, I felt like I got more power after I cut it <laughs> off. You know, Brownie's been peaking me too the last couple of weeks to cut it off and I kind of had to. And, uh, you know, I've been playing well since. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good sign, I think. Adrian, are you superstitious? I am not. Not at all. And and since John won't ask us, what about, like, what kind of music do you listen to? Uh, is it European? Is it American? Uh, what, do you, what do you like? I listen to a lot of different, actually. I think, uh, I listen to a lot of Swedish music, Swedish uh, hip hop and stuff like that. But I also listen to a lot of American, uh, you know, I like rock a lot. You know, it depends what mood I'm in, but I'm, all, I'm definitely a guy that listens to like every category in the music uh, playlist. So I think I have all different kinds of playlists and I like house, house is being in Sweden and, you know, DJs and stuff like that. But I mean, I think I'm uh, just an all around guy for sure. Now, Adrian, I, I do have a music question for you. I'm going to save it till the end, though, because I have a special song picked up for you at the very end. Um, but in right. looking pack, in looking into one of your old interviews, you said that uh, somebody asked you, like, tell me something surprising that most people wouldn't know about you. And you said, I've never watched a full show. A full show of what? Like of any TV program ever? Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, I have now, but <laughs> I don't think I did. That's, how do you go through life up uh, pre-COVID? How do you go through life and never watch a complete show? Are you that busy or just other things take up your, you know, your interest and you, you get bored with the program? I, I usually start a lot of shows and I get addicted really fast. But then, you know, I find something else or I, if I don't watch it for a week and a half, I don't remember really what was going on. And, you know, I've always been a big video game guy. So usually that is what takes up my time. And, uh, you know, before coming over here, you know, you never had those like long road trips and stuff. So you didn't really have to, to kill any time. And, uh, you know, I was never really big into TV or TV shows uh, when I was uh, well, a couple of years ago until I got here, I guess. Okay. So you've watched an individual TV program. I, I think what you meant was you haven't watched an entire series. Like you haven't watched all of the Sopranos, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. I got it. Okay. Well, that makes a little more sense then. I, I was thinking like you couldn't even make it through a 30 minute show when you said you've never completed oh. a show no, no, okay no, okay no. all right it's a uh, lost in translation then how about one yeah. more one more tough one then and then we'll uh, we'll wrap up with an easy one about music and that is gabe Velarde. uh through the early part of the season here gabe is uh getting a real indoctrination into the national hockey league at the face-off circle everybody knows gabe's a great hockey player and you know he's gonna have a really long and, and bright future everybody expects that but he's now seeing the challenges of being a younger player coming in playing against men he's talked about that strength and how some guys are just they have man strength um you experienced some of that uh coming in and playing center at the time so i'm just curious have you talked with gabe at all about any adjustments that you had to make as a young player uh you know at the face-off circle or no you haven't had that conversation with him uh i have not really uh, i mean i feel like uh he probably has been talking to, you know, a lot of the uh, development guys and probably Kofi and those guys. But, I mean, I think uh, I, play, I played center my rookie year and it was just kind of a, 
you know, uh, it was a lot of guys, cards and a couple of guys were hurt. So, I mean, somebody had to take the spot and I was just kind of, you know, in the moment playing and uh, playing well at the time as well. And I think he's been doing a great job too. I mean, he, he has a big role, you know, takes a lot of big face-offs and he's been doing a great job too. So, I mean, I think, uh, he's, uh, yeah, a really good, um, good guy in the circle. And I think he, uh, will be in the future for sure as well. All right, Juice. We're going to end on a music question. I'm going to butcher this name, but uh, I think you like this band or this this artist, Hawken Hellstrom. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was one of my favorite artists growing up. All right, so I picked out a special song. That's what we're going to play you out with today. Uh, I listened to a couple of the tunes. They kind of reminded me of an American band called The Killers. Have you ever heard of The Killers? Uh, I don't know, actually. Kind of, they sound familiar, but I'm not sure. All right, so uh, that's your homework assignment for today. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow is the game, but today you have nothing but time to kill in the hotel. Go watch some videos of the Killers, and then you can let me know if that reminds you uh, of your your favorite band. There, Hawken Hellstrom. That's what we're going to end with today. Adrian, it's been outstanding having you on. Really appreciate it. Congratulations on the uh, success in the early part of the season up there on the top line, and uh, we'll have you back soon on Kings of the Podcast. Oh, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks, All right. We'll talk to you later. There you go. Adrian Kempe. We'll talk more about that on the other side of the break. To the third period of Kings of the Podcast with DB and the Mayor. Third period, welcome back, Kings of the Podcast. I'm sorry, I can't do it in Swedish, DB. It's just going to have to be me <laughs> in English. Uh, Adrian Kempe in the second period today. What do you think? Okay, let me clear the air here. Let's go back to the idiot brigade that says <laughs> I hate this player. All right, you do, Dennis. You hate Adrian Kempe. Yeah, I, I've I, seen your shirt. I hate Adrian yeah, Kempe. Yeah. You wear it at Staples under your yeah. dress shirt. One more on last night said, are you going to tell Kempe that Bernstein hates him? Like, I, I like That's how we're going to be on the show, Dennis. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you can't figure out what criticism is, and I've been critical of the player, like, then I don't know, then you're not as smart as you think you are. I've been the most critical of that player in, in the LA market, right? And I see the flashes, and now he's finally stepped up and playing 18 minutes a night. I hope it continues. But, John. He's not Mitchell Marner either. He's got three goals and two assists, you know, in, in seven games. So it's not Mitchell Marner here. But good for him. I mean, he showed personality. You know, look, Swedes have a certain personality. They're kind of dry. But he showed a lot of personality, answered all the questions. I hope the guy succeeds. And he's got the trust of the coach right now. Uh, but to say that, like, I'm not – and the other, another moron said, well, maybe I'm going to call in sick for the podcast. I'm like, no. When you criticize a player, like, you have to – take those questions and answer the questions. So that that's that's my second response to the idiot brigade today. I will let you know, Dennis, and I didn't tell you this off air because I wanted to share it now. Yeah. Uh, I did have two people <laughs> within five minutes of me tweeting that out last night that Kempe was coming on the program yeah. today. Two separate people in the organization texted me to ask, does Dennis know that Kempe's coming on? Yeah. <laughs> so, totally. So your your criticism is is well noted throughout. It's uh, well noted. And, and you know Not what? Only- it's fair, though. 
It's fair, yes, right? It's it fa- fair. It's fair. And the look, all I can say is, uh, thankfully, Adrian didn't respond like Jake Forachek did in Philadelphia. Actually, I wish he would have. That would have been great. Yes, exactly. Better radio. Right, he would have told me off. Look, here's the thing, John. I have not called this guy a bomb or he should be, you know, he should be out of no, the league. No, you have not. I have not no. done that. I've not made it personal. I'll just say, look, you expect more from the player. And, you know, to his credit, he came on. And to my credit, I asked legitimate questions and, and we move on from there. Hey, Dennis, any coach that's ever had Adrian Kempe in the LA Kings organization, if they're being honest, will tell you or will ask and say the same things that you have said. And that is that they all wanted more, more right. from Adrian Kempe. They, they see the flashes of brilliance. They see him in practice. They see the things that he's capable of. They watch him in certain games and they're like, yes, that's the guy that we need. Yep. And the word that has really been um, that, that he's been attached to since joining the organization has been consistency. Right. And I think it was uh, I don't remember if it was Brownie or Kopi that said it um, just the other night. Uh, it probably was Kopitar who basically said, you know, look, we've seen this in Kempe before where he has these these flashes of brilliance and he goes on a streak. And he said, we're just hoping that he can continue to do it on a more consistent basis all year long. So it's not only the coaches, it's actually his teammates. And in this case, his line mate as well. So everybody is excited, I think, in the Kings organization by what they've seen from Kempe uh, here in the early going this season. And I would agree with you, Dennis. We have seen a different Adrian Kempe. He's been much more aggressive, physical, engaged. It hasn't just been that, you know, European dipsy doodle kind of, you know, (laughs) take a shot type thing. He's been very very engaged and, and uh, it's been exciting to see it's it's been a long time coming and mayor that todd brought that up he brought up the reason didn't work with kopitar and brown is because he was deferential like mm-hmm. he's got to put his head down and be aggressive and let the chips fall when they may and begin to continue look like i said he certainly has to if he fails it's not because the coach doesn't trust him and is giving the opportunity it's a lot of minutes he's logging 18 or 19 minutes for a full for a winger is a lot of time on the ice so good for him that he's been able to achieve this early on hopefully it continues yeah, and you know um, something here just about him and, and sort of being the alpha, uh, which is what the comment that Todd has made a few right. times is like, hey, you know, he plays better when he's the alpha, and that's why we were reluctant to put him up on that top line. And then he's talked about this maturity that he's gone through. You want to know something crazy, DB? If I if my numbers are correct here, and I, I was going to look them up, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. I think that outside of the core five that they keep talking about, which is of course Kopitar, Brown, Carter, uh, Quick, and Dowdy, outside of the core five. I think he has the most tenure yeah, I think on the right. entire LA Kings roster. Right. I believe you're right. Yes. So it's just weird to me that, uh, you know, you, you talk about younger players and the kids and blah, blah, blah. And Kempe doesn't fit into that category. He, although there's a, a major age difference between say him and Kopitar Brown and, and the core five, he's the next guy who's carrying the mantle right after them uh, because He's, he's been around, you know, since 2014 when he was drafted into right. the organization. And that's what Todd asked for last season. Remember, it was the second level of players past that core five that he wants to step up and take a leadership role. And certainly, like you mentioned, he's in that sweet spot of, of those type of players. Well, I can tell you, DB, uh, and Kings fans won't like this, it's that second level who never stepped up right. and took control of this team. And that's, that's why, why they're no longer here. Exactly. Tyler Toffoli, Tanner Pearson, et cetera, et cetera. All those guys that were supposed to come in and be the next Kings to right. take over for the yep. core five 
it didn't happen. And uh, that's one of the reasons why they decided to go a different direction. Sure. You know, there were a number of different things that we didn't get a chance to ask him about just out of respect for his time. Although I guess what's the difference? He's just going back to the hotel and he's going to sit around, <laughs> you know, for the next 12 hours probably could have just kept going. But, uh, uh, you know, people talk about Kopitar being the son uh, of a coach. And I don't think people talk about that enough with Adrian Kempe. His dad was a very successful general manager and coach over in Sweden and really was responsible for all of the, the summer training for both him and his brother, who Adrian didn't talk about it, but Adrian looks up to his brother. That's Mario, like yeah. his idol in life. And uh, his dad played a major, major influence uh, on his on his upbringing. Yeah, you're right. But it's re it's never talked about, John, actually. Right? When's the last time you no. referenced, you know... His his dad as a as an influencer with respect to the hockey world. It's that's what I'm saying. It's just it's not a storyline that up until now that people right. have really um, paid much attention to. And you know uh, Christian Rutu, who we had on the program, he's one of the Kings European scouts and and really has done a fabulous job of unearthing a lot of uh, European players. From what I understand, he was uh, over at, at at one of the SHL games when Kempe scored his first SHL goal was in uh, Gothenburg versus Frölunda, and uh, Roots went up to meet him after the game, and uh, Kempe really didn't want to talk to him. Kempe wanted to uh, call his dad, who wasn't there, call his parents, and talk to them over the phone rather than talk to this NHL scout that was there. So it just goes to show you the relationship mm -hmm. that he has with family and how important it is to him. Um, and, you know, I guess Roots, who probably kept the interview rather short in that particular case and, and moved on, and uh, they lived to talk another day, perhaps. That's what they did. Okay, thank you, DB. Um, look, we uh, we want to bring back a segment that we did earlier on. It's been so long since the Kings were playing. We, you know, right. all I can remember would be the quarantine series that we did on Kings of the Podcast. But right. back in the day, DB, when the Kings actually played games and we were doing Kings of the Podcast, we would do this segment called Goals For and Goals Against, where uh, we each gave out sort of pluses and minus minuses uh, to to whatever we were feeling or seeing with the team at that time. We're, what, I think seven games into the season now? Yes, we're in the middle of the series against Minnesota on the off day here. Um, so seven games into the 2021 season. How about if we reflect on the season in totality at this point? A couple of goals for and a couple of goals against from each of us. Uh, would you like to start or would you like to defer to me? I will, I will defer and I will receive the ball in the second half. <laughs> Okay. Uh, that's another thing. Uh, coin flip. Uh, Kempe did the coin flip at the uh, the yes. Galaxy game. Yes. We didn't we didn't get a chance to talk to him about about that either. Um, okay. Goals goals four. I will start with the goals four, uh, and I'll I'll hold my goals against for a moment. Uh, one goal four would be for Cal Peterson. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of pressure on Cal coming into this year. Uh, the ball was really handed to him to, to take it and run with it. Um, last year, late in the, at the end of the season and coming into the season, everybody keeps asking us included Todd's already tired of the question. Uh, what's the goaltending <laughs> breakdown? Who's going to play more games? How is it going to work? And, uh, Jonathan quick, you know, uh, is responding by just playing lights out hockey and, and some really, you know, some strong performances in net. And he's, he's not, he's not ready to ride off into the sunset anytime soon and, and give up the crease. So it's been a battle. And, uh, I think, Clearly, Cal has uh, has battled this year. He, he missed some time away uh, due to some protocols and whatnot and then was a little bit shaky. I tweeted that out in the yeah, one game. Just, he, he didn't look himself. Right. Didn't look like the Cal Peterson that I know and have really come to respect. But, man, in that last game, uh, he was he was phenomenal. So uh, a goal for Cal Peterson. Uh, goal for guy tied for the lead league in assists. He's playing 23 minutes a night. Um, he's only scored one goal, but it's a game-winning goal. What Kobe's done so far has been fantastic. And I always go back to 
the game winner against Colorado. Colorado um, that behind the back pass to Kempe in front. I mean, the guy's just done everything. He's been fantastic. But people think that uh, he still isn't an elite player. He's shown a lot of people he still is. So uh, certainly a goal for will be Andre Kopitar so far through seven. Well, I didn't have this on my list, DB, but I'm going to give you a goal for uh, off of that comment. This is not one of my official goals for. Okay. I, I'm going to reserve my game balls, but uh, I do want to give you a goal for what a classic line in your article this week on the fourth period. Oh, yeah. um, you basically said that Kopitar had done everything except book the charter flights, which I thought was uh, I actually Thanks, laughed man. out loud. It was it was a very funny line. So good. Good for you. Um, my second goal for or my other goal for, I will say, is going to be uh, for Carl Grundstrom. Uh, this is a guy who I've mentioned it on the program before. I've made subtle hints about it from everything I've gathered. Todd McClellan was not a very big fan of, of Carl Grundstrom last year. Didn't like uh, what he brought to the team in, in practice or what he saw of him. Just didn't impress him. And that's okay. Every player doesn't impress every coach. But uh, to, to Tonka's credit, he went overseas. Uh, he played over there during, during the, uh, the COVID shutdown of 2020 and tried to work on his game and tried to improve his game. And he he looked different right from day one of training camp. McClellan was very complimentary uh, in the early part of camp about what he liked uh, or he liked what he saw from Grunstrom. He gave him some opportunities. And he even mentioned it um, when Grunstrom only had, I think it was like six minutes or something in one of the early games. And he said, look, I, Grunstrom was great when he played in the first period. I wanted to give him more minutes, but unfortunately the team was in uh, sort of penalty trouble. And so, you know, we had to shorten the bench and it became a three-line game. And he kept Grunstrom in the lineup. He rewarded him with more minutes. And uh, he's he scored a couple of goals. And, and God, the one goal was just an absolute beauty. Yeah. What a snipe. I mean, yes. that was a power forward goal. And that's what Carl Grundstrom, the type of game that he plays. He's 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 rough and tumble. He can play right side. He can play left side. And uh, the, the nickname of Tonka is certainly appropriate and very impressed with what I've seen from Carl Grundstrom so far. And I'd like to give him uh, one of my goals for. And Mary, you brought that up. This is a basically a career defining season for him in Los Angeles. This is really make or break. And I agree with you. When he's been on the ice, he's been great, made, made some great moves and certainly deserve it. My second um, goal for is, and I've harped on this, John, you know, I talk about offense all the time. I don't think they're good enough offensively. Is the team's shooting percentage. They're presently shooting at 11.1% with a league average of 9.9. I mean, even five on five, they're at 8.6 and the league average is 7.8. So they are over the league average with respect to shooting. A team that I thought would struggle to score all season has really done great shooting wise. Well, I don't want to say I told you so. It's too but early. You did. Small no, but size. you did. Yes, you thought they would not have a problem scoring this year or, or score more. Worried. Yeah, I'm, I was not worried about the offense coming into the season. And hell, Martin Furk's not even in the lineup. Yet. Oh, no, yeah. not Martin Furk. Uh, okay. I, I just I wasn't worried about the offense coming in. I, I thought that they, they would be able to generate offense. And, and Todd has said that from day one of the season as well, saying, hey, look, I think this team can generate three goals a night, and that should be enough most nights. Uh, it's the defense that needs the work so um they, they've made some they've made some inroads there and uh, and i'll tell you what we're going to get into the the goals against now and here comes the critical part so i guess people will then start saying that we hate these players and if you try to tell me that i hate gabe velarde you clearly <laughs> are not paying attention you're part of the idiot brigade been, if you are nobody nobody has been uh championing the cause of gabe velarde perhaps more than more than i have no one I've, come on no tried, one absolutely tell everybody for the last couple of years that it is not even close. He is the number one far away uh, best prospect in the organization. And uh, so look, take all of that. And then I'm going to give you a goal against though. And mm -hmm. that, and I touched on it there. And the question yeah. that I asked Adrian Gempe 
it's it's in the face-off circle. Gabe is struggling a little bit in the face-off circle, and it's not that surprising. He's a young player breaking into the league, and it goes to show you how difficult it is to break into this league as a young player at the center position. It's why you see a lot of quote-unquote centers come into the league mm-hmm. and play wing. It's why a guy like Byfield perhaps might even come in eventually, whether that's this year, next year, or even the year after, sure. and start out as a winger instead of a center. It's very, very challenging. Gabe has made mention of it. But here's the reason for my for my against, if you will. Um, and by the way, for those that love numbers, um, let me just give you the numbers because I tweeted them out, um, I think, after game seven. So he has taken, I'll give you the numbers first. Game one, 14 face-offs. Then 25 face-offs. Game three, uh, a season low, eight. He took 19, 15, 12, and then took 11 in the game uh, last night against Minnesota. And his winning percentages have been going the wrong direction for the most part. 64 44, 50, 53, then 13, 33. He really struggled. He was beat up by Bozak in uh, in St. Louis. Last night on his 11 face-offs, he did get it up to 45%. He needs to get that number up over 50% on a consistent basis. But Gabe, I know you're listening, and this is why I gave you a, a goal against. I didn't like your answer that you gave when we were talking about face-offs the other day, and you were asked about what you can do to work on them, etc. And your answer to the question was, I don't like to work on face-offs. I think you either are good at it or you're not. I take great exception to that answer. I was not impressed with that answer. I've talked with several people in the organization about that answer. They weren't impressed with the answer. Wouldn't surprise me if some people in management have already spoken to Gabe about that answer. And I look forward to seeing Gabe Bellardi working with people that are good at face-offs and that can help him with face-offs. People like Jared Stoll and some of the others in the development group, uh, hopefully they've already gotten to him. But here's the thing, Dennis. If Gabe Bellardi Lardy is going to reach his full potential. And Warren Reichel was on the program recently talking about what Gabe needs to do to reach his full potential. His full potential is not to be the 3C on this team. If you expect him to be the 2C, if you expect him to maybe challenge one day to be a 1C, he needs to improve in the face-off circle. And he's not going to improve magically. He's only going Mm -hmm. to improve with practice. And so until he uh, gets his head on straight when it comes to face-offs and the work he needs to put in, I'm giving him a goal against well, it's abundantly clear that John Hoven hates Gabe Velarde now. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> What's your goal again? Um, what's a motto with this defenseman? Oh, boy. And, we might have the same goal against. What's, okay. <laughs> oh, no, we don't. You're, we don't. Uh, no. No, we don't. Okay, right. and I said it in my article. The early returns indicate that the Blackhawks won the only motto trade. Okay, I, I have to jump in. Hold on. How did they win the trade when the Kings gave up a player that was in the ECHL? Not He was never going to make the LA Kings. He wasn't even making the Ontario Reign their AHL team. If Olimata never plays another game for the LA Kings, how did the Blackhawks win the trade? He's not on the team anymore. And he's a healthy scratch. In front of two rookie defensemen. Yeah, look, It's not winning a trade, though. Yeah, yeah. It, it, first of all, it's a joke. Number one, okay. And number two, the guy it, it was the top pair, and now he's the seventh defenseman, right? Yeah. And I know getting adjusted and stuff like that, but when Kyle Clegg's taking your spot and you can't get back in the lineup, like, yeah. well, you certainly didn't win that trade. So what's the motto with that defenseman? Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I guess I just, um, I look at this sometimes and I go, What's the matter with everybody that's on Twitter, though? Because they, uh, they, oh, another great move by Rob Blake. Like, he gave up nothing 
to get Olimata. If it doesn't work out, yeah. it's no big deal. And that's deal. a joke. He and still lost the trade. <laughs> but here's the thing. If Kale Clegg is playing over Olimata, that's a good thing. They drafted Kale Clegg with a second, uh, second round pick. Kale Clegg has been developed in Ontario under coach Mike Stuthers, and now he's ready to make the NHL. That's a good thing. You can't I, tell I, me that was the plan, though. No, it's not the plan. Okay. It's not the plan. Absolutely and, was not. And, and can we do a little sidebar here? Here's one concern. And I'm thinking we talk about defense, and you mentioned that things have to. Here's my concern about the defense, John. Like when you look at Tampa, when you look at Dallas, and I'm not comparing the teams at levels. You look at the size on their blue lines. This team, except for Curtis McDermott, doesn't have size. I'm concerned about a guy like Mikey Anderson at 185 playing 22 minutes a night. A guy like Cal Clay playing 18 or 19 minutes a night. My concern about this team over time, they have to get bigger on the blue line. This is not Colorado where you've got Cal McCarr and Gerard mm-hmm. and Bo Bryman. So to me, in the big picture, you need a couple of more bigger defense. Even in Tampa, as great as they were, they had to add Bogosian. They had to add Luke Shen. Right, so, so to me, size on the blue line, oh, in this compacted schedule, um, to me, there's a concern there with respect to the lack of size on the blue line. Well, I would agree with you, and I'm going to sort of tie that into my final Great. Uh, awesome. goal against, which is going to be Curtis McDermott. And I, I need to say this up front. Great guy. His teammates love him. Wonderful success story. I understand why he's here. I understand the protection that he brings to some of the the, the smaller, if you will, or the younger players in the league. There is an intimidation factor there. There certainly was in the American League. Nobody wanted to go up against Dermy. I get it. Um, however, he just hasn't looked the same uh, and hasn't shown the progression. We, we, we talked throughout camp with a number of players about what did you do during the 10 months off? And, and some guys took advantage of that and other guys didn't. And, and I don't know what McDermott did. But I will say he's not playing at the same level that he was playing at last year. And maybe that's because the team itself has raised their level. So maybe he has not raised his level yet. But he uh, he has not looked good in several of the games. There have been times, especially in the Colorado series, where guys were able to blow by him. Um, he's a big dude, and yeah. it's hard to move big dude at, in, in certain speed moments of the game. So, um, you know, he is the seventh defenseman. And he should, and that was the plan this year. He should be the seventh defenseman. I don't think he should be in there on a regular uh, basis. And, uh, you know, kudos to Todd, who left him in the lineup when it would have been very easy to, to move him out of the lineup. Uh, you know, he left him in. He's trying to let him work his way through it, trying to show him respect. And he knows how much he means to his teammates. Here's my question, though. Would anybody be willing to entertain the idea of perhaps putting him on the fourth line? Maybe you give him his minutes as a winger. Now, I know they've tried that throughout the years with a number of different players. McDermott, if I remember correctly, and I'd have to maybe ask Stutz about this. I, If I remember correctly, they did uh, put him in there in a couple of games at wing uh, in, in Ontario. And I know guys like Justin Auger, and you know they've tried on both right. sides of the puck. Brian Boyle played both sides of the puck, Brent Burns, etc. Um, I'm just wondering if there's an opportunity to maybe get him some games there in that type of a situation. And, and and shore up the defense because the D does need to be better. They need to cut down the goals against. And uh, if they have a legitimate interest in making the playoffs this year, Dennis, getting on the positive side of goal differential is going to pay huge dividends because teams that typically have a positive goal differential are the ones that end up making the playoffs. And the Kings, that's why they're in the mix for the playoffs, Dennis, is that so far in the early part of the season, they are better they are, you know, in those five teams that are challenging for mm-hmm. that that uh, fourth spot, Minnesota, L.A., Anaheim, San Jose, and Arizona, 
the Kings are at the near the top of that, if not the top of that group of five. So it's important that they fix this and fix it quickly. Wow, you brutalized the guy after he scored a goal last night. Nice job, man. <laughs> I, look, I, I'm just I'm offering in my yeah, honest no. opinion. That's great to score a goal, and I'm sure you can McClellan be critical. Would, it's okay. Today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> my second goal against. Did they put an APB out for Austin Wagner? Because I haven't seen him. And and, and it's t- and John, it's tough because he said all the right things in training camp. I practice my breakaways. I'm ready. I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm going to finish better. And there was one play in the in the Minnesota. I think it was the second game or the first game where he was by himself and just inside the blue line and took a slap shot and then like went to the bench. I think it's the last shot he took this season. It's just it's really disappointing to see. The, the skill that he has, the, the ability to get open and beat players and beat defensemen around, on the wing, and just he's just wasting an opportunity here. So to me, it's it's a pretty big goes against to the fact that he's not even a factor when you got – and it, it, it look, John, you could spin it positively saying there are other guys who stepped up, like Anderson and Grunstrom. But you would think a guy coming back, making the commitment that he said he did, and not seeing the light of day, that's to me, that's a goal against DB, we do have some uh, roster suggestions or, or roster thoughts that we need to get to before we wrap up today's episode. However, there is another goal for, uh, and that would be for Manscaped. Yes. Valentine's Day is upon us, fellas. Make sure that you're ready for wherever the night may take you. Our friends over at Manscaped, the global leaders and men below the waist grooming are here to tell you, you need to use the best tools for the job so you can be ready for anything on that special day, which is coming up here in just a couple of weeks, Dennis. Uh, two million men are already trusting Manscaped products to groom. Make sure that you're one of them. So your, uh, your girl can't think of what to get you this year for Valentine's Day? Tell her to get the gift that's for you and for her. Uh, the best way to start is with the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. It's full of a bunch of products that'll keep you looking and smelling good and feeling nice. The Perfect Package 3.0 is led by their revolutionary third-generation Lawnmower 3.0 trimmer. It has the advanced skin-safe technology. Uh, which features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's waterproof. And DB, it also features the LED light. Yes, the famous uh, Dennis Bernstein <laughs> LED light. You don't forget about that. And uh, they have a whole bunch of other goodies. They have the Crop Preserver, the Crop Reviver. These products will keep your boys from sweating, smelling, and sticking. And all these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive, and uh, it, it will help set up the mood. Uh, Perfect Package 3.0 also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxers, and you can also get their high-performance anti-chafing boxers, easily the comf- comfiest boxers that uh, I've ever had, Dennis. And uh, complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne we talked about in the last episode as well, which is great from Manscaped. So they have the perfect package for your perfect package. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code K-O-T-P-N-E-W. That's K-O-T-P-N-E-W at manscaped.com. Pick up 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using KOTP new happy Valentine's day from manscaped and uh, your folks here at Kings of the podcast. We appreciate them supporting us. So if you can support them, that would uh, mean a lot to us. Uh, Dennis, we're getting ready to wrap up this. Uh, oh, but I, I have John, I have a roster question for you. This is, the, yes. you know, and it's not to do with Quentin Byfield, believe it or not. Oh, good. Okay. And well, you, you have another question. I do. And, and, and cause I was making my notes. I got to ask you about this. Okay. And you would know better than anybody to address this question. Fajimo on the taxi squad. Why is he sitting on a taxi squad and not playing in the A? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, my my best guess would be that there might be a couple of uh, bruises or, or nicks that he's dealing with right now. Okay. Because here's the thing. They need to have a certain number of players on the taxi squad. Right, right. By, by rules, they have to have a minimum of four. And one of those spots is is a goaltender goalie, right. uh, because they're not carrying a third goalie on the on the team. So uh, the Kings get one of their four as a goalie and they, they can carry three additional players. And so you kind of wonder, you go, hmm, that's weird. Uh, you know, you would have expected him to maybe play. That's my guess. If that's not the case, then it could be that they looked over the group and said, if something happened when we were on the road trip, because that's really what this was all about was the road trip. Right. If something was to happen on the road trip uh, to a couple of guys and they ended up in a protocol situation and they had to put a couple of players into the NHL lineup, who do they feel is most ready? And so that would be the other, other logical explanation is, um, you know, A, he wasn't ready for the three games they were going to play in Ontario. Mm-hmm. While he could have played, it would have just been better to give him more time to nurse it. So sure. rather than healthy scratch him in Ontario, you can take him on the road, let him heal on the road. And right. if he had to play, he could. Or the other reason I believe would be just that, uh, like I said, if they if they looked over the roster of what was in Ontario, they could have taken a Mikey Isimont and, and, you know, he played in uh, Ontario before he has pro experience. Maybe they would have been comfortable putting him into the NHL lineup if needed. Um, however, they just took a gamble and said, Hey, you know what? We want to have a little bit of experience in Ontario. So we want to leave Mikey behind and have him play, uh, which he did. He was playing with the Thomas and they actually performed pretty well. And then, you know, with that, they said, look, we can bring him with us. And if we had to put a player in the lineup, at least he has some uh, pro experience over in Europe. And, you know, in a pinch, we could we could push him in there. Where I'm going with this is I don't think that he's long for the taxi squad. I think that he will uh, be in Ontario and I think he will get some games played and then people will stop, you know, worrying about who's on the taxi squad. Yes, they should stop worrying about that. The thing is, the taxi squad is a requirement and it's an it's a new thing that general managers haven't had to deal with yeah, everybody's it. wrestling I mean, Todd, with it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Todd's already talked about from a coaching perspective, how frustrating it is to have all these extra guys around and, and the confusion that it causes. I mean, normally you just have two or three guys that are your healthy scratches and you're trying to rotate them in. But now people, us included, are all asking McClellan, well, what about this guy? Well, you know, he's on the taxi squad. What is he going to get in? He's like, in the old days, you wouldn't have to worry about who was on the taxi squad or you wouldn't be asked questions about who's playing in Ontario. You would already have three extra players and it's hard enough trying to find ice time for those guys. So uh, we'll have to see Ontario plays two more uh, games and they'll get the, the eyes of SoCal hockey to themselves DB because the Kings play on Thursday this week to wrap up their two game series in Minnesota. And then they are off until next Tuesday, which we'll get to in just a moment. And so that the rain play their final two preseason games on Friday and Saturday uh, at the Toyota sports center in El Segundo. And uh, we'll have to see, we'll have to see how they perform. They, uh, they went two and one, in their uh, in their first three games, Dennis and Akil Thomas uh, has been stealing a lot of the headlines so far. Yeah, yeah. And the Kings are getting back to a normal schedule, quote unquote normal, because now they're playing. They'll be playing three different teams if over the next three games, right? They play uh, Minnesota, Vegas, and then oh, Anaheim, then the Vegas. Ducks. Yeah. Yes, they play the Ducks in that middle game. That's the game on Tuesday. Which DB? That's going to be the reverse retro. The debut of the reverse retro jersey is going to come against oh, Anaheim. Fantastic. Uh, and 
you know, it's weird because when we first heard about these fourth jerseys, as they initially called them, the reverse retro jerseys, the original concept was that the teams were going to wear them against each other. But now here's what I heard. I heard that some of the teams um, have been reluctant to wear the jerseys on the road because they don't want to take the extra laundry with them on the road. And that's why mainly, mostly the reverse retro schedules have the teams playing at home. But then I kind of scratch my head and I go, but wait a minute, why wouldn't it? Anaheim be willing to wear theirs because it's not a real road trip no. when they come to Staples Center on Tuesday. So, you know, they're going to grab one set of jerseys. What's the difference whether they grab the reverse retro or whether they grab, you know, any one of their other jerseys? Um, and certainly their reverse retro, you know, could could be worn against the Kings purple or right, Forum right. blue uh, jersey just because the colors don't clash. So I don't know, people, why, uh, why Anaheim is choosing not to wear them. Um, I guess... You know, whatever. But uh, the Kings are wearing their reverse retro jerseys on Tuesday against Anaheim. So, of course, fans will be really excited. And, you know, those things have been sold out everywhere. And we heard Luke come on the program recently, Dennis, and mm -hmm. tell us that people are texting him and calling him and asking if he has any hookups. Nobody has any hookups for these jerseys. They're and I think they're still out of, stock, out of stock, John. They've been out of stock for weeks. For months, Dennis. They yeah. basically sold out like before Christmas. So, wow. uh, yeah, it's been quite some time. Um, back to the roster questions, though, uh, leading into into perhaps even that game. I don't think we're going to see Martin Furk here probably uh, for probably another week or so. So it won't be the, the game against Anaheim. I'd be a little surprised by that, but mm -hmm. maybe uh, maybe a couple games later. My question is this. When Furk is healthy and ready to return, um, when he's ready to go into the lineup, who comes out of the lineup? Because originally the idea was to put him with Velarde because of their chemistry, but things sort of seem to be clicking between Leah Anderson and Brown. Right. Um, and obviously Todd feels very comfortable with the fourth line right now of Trevor Moore and Amadio and, and Grunstrom. So where's Ferky going to go? He's going to go to the healthy scratch room. Unless, unless you want a little bit more punch on the fourth line and you, you spell him with more. But I agree with you. There's, there's chemistry on that line. That's the only where it fits. It doesn't, he doesn't fit anywhere else in the lineup. See, I would do it a little bit differently. I would put Leas Anderson as the fourth line center, and I would put Furk with Velarde and Brown, and uh, I, would, I would take Amadio out, and I would put, okay. I'd put Anderson on that line with Moore and Grunstrom. And then you get two-thirds of the Swede line uh, yeah. back together as well. So yeah, that's, that's a possibility. That makes sense. Okay, so there's a couple of things to think about there. Following up on your, uh, your Oster, Austin Wagner comment from earlier, though, uh, before we got into Manscaped there, uh, somebody pointed this out to me, and I would tend to agree with it, that uh, probably not a good thing to have Athanasio and Wagner in. It's either one or the other that's in the lineup. They're just too similar of players. Mm -hmm. Fair point. And one so, guy has three goals in seven games. It's just that he earned the scratch, which is unfortunate. Yeah, well... Look, the Kings have too many players. I, I, I kept saying that uh, during the offseason. They have too many forwards, and uh, you know people want to keep talking about, well, why isn't Turcotte playing? Well, I mean, even if you ignore the argument of me saying he's not ready for the NHL, they don't have a roster spot available for him because they're already trying See, to find a way to And that's the difference, John. I agree with you a million percent on that. He should be in the A. I agree with you wholeheartedly. He should not be with this team. So you're hung up on the fact that Byfield was taken second overall. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. Okay. When I watch Dylan Cousins scores goals in Buffalo, yeah, I'm hung up on it. Buffalo. All right. <laughs> Hopefully the Kings are further along in their development than the Buffalo Sabres. And I'm sticking with my prediction, DB. Taylor Hall will be the biggest name traded this year. I want to end with this, though, Dennis. We're, we're coming up after we get on the other side of this game with Minnesota. It's going to be this weird deal where the Kings are off for a significant yeah. number of days here. And uh, so there's going to be you, you don't, the Rams aren't playing this weekend. The Kings aren't playing this weekend. So after you do your NHL radio show Saturday morning, what do you do the rest of the weekend? There are other teams, John. 
believe it or not, in the league. And I do a national radio show, so I really kind of got to stay with that. Okay. So, oh yeah, it's it's John. Here, here's here's much of a geek I am. Not only do I have the NHL TV on um, the web, right? That that subscription, but I also have Center Ice because sometimes I'm too lazy to change the uh, on the app, changing back and forth the teams as opposed to just going on to my regular Direct TV and just switching. Um, so th- there's plenty of games to watch, and it's great, John. Because some nights, like I think it was Tuesday night, it was 13 or Wednesday. There was 13 games, which is just amazing. And I tell you that that Northern Division, well, Canadian Division. I'm not, I'm not going to call it Northern anymore. That Canadian Division is going to be so intense. Last night, Jake Muzzin flips the puck at Kachuk. Yeah. It's fantastic. So I just think there's just so much hockey to watch, and it's been really good. I mean, look, the one thing. That I'll ask Todd probably in the next couple of days. The, those the, the adjective we use meaningless in front of preseason games. Well, they're not that meaningless anymore because some of these teams are really rusty and they could have used the benefit of preseason games. But uh, I'll watch some other games, uh, you know, for sure, and I'll wait for uh, Tom Brady to win the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Well, if you uh, if you take let's see the Kings, you know, Todd made reference to four preseason games right. is what the vets would normally get. So the Kings have played three games since then, and they've won was, was it two out of three or three out of three uh, out of four. Yeah, two out of three. three well, they won four. three out of four, but but there would only be three games of the quote unquote regular right. season. Right, correct. The first, four yes. to, first four you had to flush. Right. So uh, they've won two of the last three games. Then, uh, so they're the Kings are two and one. In the, in the if you ignore the first four games, right. <laughs> which were preseason games, just trying to do some uh, some creative math. And you're all in on Tom Brady then for the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, because Mahomes won last time, and the story of Tom Brady. Now, because there's always was it Brady or Belichick, and if he wins, it was definitely Brady, not uh, or lesser less of Belichick. So, but John, right, tell well, tell I- before we go, John, tell everyone how important that Minnesota win was last night. I can't. I mean, I feel like I've been saying it over and over and over and few people are listening. Uh, If the L.A. Kings are to make the playoffs in the 2021 season, the eight games against Minnesota are the eight games to pay attention to. Right. Because the top three seeds are all but sewn up. They were before they even dropped the puck on the first game of the season. It would be an unmitigated disaster if St. Louis, Colorado and Vegas did not secure the top three spots in the Western Division, which means five teams are competing for the fourth spot, the fourth and final playoff spot. And again, I listed them earlier. That would be Minnesota, the Kings, the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Arizona Coyotes. And if you figure that Minnesota is sort of the team that came into the season with the edge for that spot, then that's the team the Kings need to beat. So they need to obviously take care of business Mm -hmm. uh, against those other three teams, Arizona, the Ducks, and San Jose. I guess San Jose is kind of also Arizona too because they're playing in uh, there over there now, but that's a different story. Anyway, um, the point is the eight-game series against Minnesota is vital, and you don't want three-point games. Right. You want the LA Kings to win in regulation. That's uh, and you also want every night, every night, Kings fans, you want era, uh, you want Vegas to win in regulation. Right. You don't ever want them to to give up extra points to the other people. You want St. Louis to win in regulation. And you want uh, Colorado. So Colorado, Vegas, and St. Louis, the three teams at the top, you don't want them giving extra points away because every game this year is inside the division. So anytime right. that Vegas goes to overtime, they're they're giving a point away that is potentially negatively impacting the Kings' uh, possibility of making the playoffs. So you want those three top teams, Vegas, St. Louis, Colorado, to be winning in regulation. 
And then when the Kings play Minnesota, you want them to be winning in regulation. And that's why last night's win was so important, Dennis, because mm. they they needed to put that game away in regulation and not give away a free point to Minnesota. And they did that. So if they can uh, continue that on Thursday and, you know, uh, get another, another uh, I guess, bit of retribution against that team that, that sort of stole those points from them earlier in the year. I mean, I don't want to say stolen. Minnesota earned them because the Kings gave them away. And right. back to the points from earlier, the the defense let them down. They had 3-1 leads in both games. So, you know, uh, the Kings need to win games in regulation. And they're going to play Minnesota a lot here. The The whole eight-game series is going to be done by, what do we say, Dennis? February 20th or 21st yeah, like, or something like that? I think the 21st game or something like that. Yeah, so within like the next three weeks, this right. whole series will be completed, and that's going to tell you a lot about the LA Kings season right there, and and if they're going to be in the mix for the playoffs, which uh, according to the Twitter poll, that's what seventy percent of the the listeners are are hoping for. So, Dennis, it's been a great episode. Thank you to Juice Adrian Campe for jumping on and, and talking all things hockey with us and Swedish house music as well. <laughs> uh, Dennis, we'll be back soon with another guest and more fun talk on Kings the podcast. Hope everybody has a great week. We'll talk to you soon.